pros bring something extra to every job. Now at the Home Depot, they also get something extra. Pro Extra, our free loyalty program built for pros just like you. Members earn perks with every dollar spent, like Pro Extra dollars, a tool rental credit, and more. New members get $20 off their next in-store purchase of $200 or more just for signing up. Learn more at homedepot.com slash pro extra. New year, more rewards, pro extra, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to El Tala John's La Liga Weekly. La Liga, the best league in the world. It's not football, it's La Liga. And now here's a new one. La Liga, the home of men pulling each other's hair. What a weekend. <laughs> Real Madrid, you say? Well, not anymore. They conceded another penalty, this time losing at home to Alaves. OK, there was plenty of time to get back into the game, but going behind did force Madrid into playing with no defenders, offering struggling Alaves a further 56 goal-scoring opportunities. <laughs> the referee did momentarily go old school when he awarded Real Madrid a penalty for Casemiro heading the ball into his own hand. He was saved from the humiliation of having to review it by the offside flag. The top of the table clash between Real Sociedad and Villarreal was another tale of penalties. Obviously, because it's football and that's what it is now. Uh, Atleti moves on to the shoulders of the leaders with a 1-0 win at Valencia, saved only by a Tony Lato own goal from a second stalemate in a few days. All of which is hopeful for Barcelona, who went in front against Osasuna with the worst goal ever scored at the Camp Nou. <laughs> Messi missed the opportunity to do a hand of God. These kids are such snowflakes these days, Terry. Uh, he did a proper Maradona tribute with his Newell's old, new old, new old Boys shirt. All that money spent on sports clothing and he plays a La Liga game with a 90s kit as his underwear. <laughs> and of course, well done to the soulless bureaucrat who wrote the law about booking players for removing their jerseys. I hope it was your finest day. There we are. Uh, well Mads, Mads, thank you. <laughs> uh, Mads is our, our latest, our newest Patreon. Uh, we need more like Mads. So get in touch, everybody. So thank you to the Patreons uh, who have uh, contributed so far. Much appreciated. And... Um, Yes, and we need more. Thank you to everyone listening to the Ordinary Podcast as well. Right then, Terry, uh, welcome along. Uh, hope you enjoyed your weekend's football. I suppose the big game is, is Real Madrid, isn't it? Um, messing up at home to Alaves. It's the kind of thing that used to be really shocking, <laughs> you know, until a relatively short, <laughs> short time ago. We, you know, when one of the big two had a, had a stinking sinker of a weekend and, and got everything wrong, but... Um, uh, there we go. You know, Alaves beat them, and as as I as you know, slight exaggeration about the number of chances, but um, it wasn't. No, no, no. <laughs> it really was. I mean, it was a, it was bizarre. They were chasing the game, ridiculously chasing it. It was so long to play. Yeah, and they just kept offering up chance after chance after chance. And in that situation, you look and think, well, Sergio Ramos is missing, but he would probably have been doing exactly the same thing. He would have probably been leading the charge from the back. And it was so open. And, and Alaves are a team in general that find it hard to create numerous goal-scoring chances in any game. They do have two decent strikers. They both scored. Um, but if you keep offering the opportunities to break on the counter-attack as, as Real Madrid allowed, then you know Real Madrid, you know, quite frankly, were lucky they only conceded the two. Now, they could have scored three or four themselves. Um, I don't see any excuses for the performance. Um, other, play, other teams have played in the Champions League in the week. Um, what's worrying for Zidane has to be is the is going to be a reoccurring theme in terms of different teams 
in this podcast um, is the lack of inconsistency. They were excellent in the week against Inter. Really, really good. Um, an efficient, tidy, professional performance showing all their quality. And then they come at home against Alavis and it was just a, 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 a terribly inconsistent performance, even throughout the 90 minutes. It's not as if they played good against Inter and played bad against Alavis. Against Alavis, it was just a mix-up of everything. You know, you saw the good, the bad, and an abject from, from Real Madrid in this game. And, you know, I, 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 it is a shocking result. It's their third defeat in the league this season, and it is a shocking result. Because I, I didn't see, I saw Alaves making it difficult for Real Madrid, but lacking a goal scoring threat. Um, but that wasn't the case in this game. And as I said initially, Real Madrid were lucky down, we conceded too. Feel a bit for Courtois. Yeah. Um, because he has been playing well. He made a couple of good saves in this game as well. And he, you know, it was a good anticipation from Hosselu and a, a good finish as well. I mean, instinctively, he didn't think too long about it. Then he anticipated the pass from Courtois to Casemiro, intercepted it, and then next touch, just flashed it past Courtois. So it was tough on him. Um, but when you look at the Real Madrid lineup, it was strong enough. Um, I don't think one out of his player would have made the starting lineup for Real Madrid. So no excuses in, in terms of the. The weaker lineup or anything like that, you could question one or two of the decisions from Zidane. Could he have rotated a bit more? Could Mondi played played in, instead of Marcelo? One or two other tiny little ones. But you have a front three of Hazard, Mario, Mariano Diaz, Marcos Asensio. Marcos Asensio. That still should be enough to to score on the more than the, the one goal they got, which was a, a tap in from Casemiro after a corner. Um, I meant to um, look up the stat about Marcelo. Um, but it's, it's some horrendous stat, isn't it, whereby they basically lose when he plays. It's, it's almost as, as, as straightforward as that. It, it has become that. And, I mean, I, I don't blame him particularly for, for the result in this game, um, other than the fact he was playing. <laughs> he's, he's jinxing it. Um, but it was, you know, it was, it was a poor performance. I mean, it, it's, uh, as I said, to go behind in what, the fifth minute um, from the penalty, it was it was just checking it was the fifth minute. Um minute goal scored. Yes, Lucas Perez wide. We we've got a few this week, thankfully. Um and there was no need to panic, but there was it became so open and untidy and they went out all guns blazing. Um but they 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 struggled in in, in general to to create, you know, too many clear cut chances for you know Mariano Diaz. And I and I guess we have to refer to possibly a penalty from LaGuardia and Marcelo for pulling the hair. I think what saves him is the fact that the ball isn't within playing distance. I think if the pass is going to Marcelo, then it has to be a penalty. But I, I don't know what a referee didn't, VAR didn't see a foul. It's still a, it, it is still a penalty. It's still a foul. It? If, yes. if, you, if you punch him, it's a penalty, isn't it? Yes. So, if you so I think that should have been given. So yeah. they're slightly un, unfortunate there. Um, but in general, it was a, an erratic performance from Real Madrid and, and a, a, still a, a, a shock result. Yeah. Uh, and the league table, I mean, it's not. I think we have to talk about. Sorry, I mean, uh, we have to refer to Hazard again. Yeah, go on. I mean, that was possibly a penalty. Could have gone Real Madrid's way, but another injury, and it's a, it's a massive setback for a player that, you know, I'm sure I've said on the podcast before when I've been out in La Liga TV, they're talking about Hazard, <clears throat> and I've said we have not seen anywhere near his form mm. that he showed for Chelsea for all those years. You know, he's had the odd good game for Real Madrid and odd good moments in games. 
and they've gone overboard and he's back and he's going to do this. And I'm thinking that is nowhere near. Yeah. 60%, I would say, at yeah. most, in terms of his individual output when he's been playing. The injuries, is, you know, it's, it's unfortunate for him, for Real Madrid. Unfortunate for us that want to see the best players playing. And it, it's turning into a bit of a depressing time now for Eden Hazard and his Real Madrid career. He had an absolute stinker of a year at Chelsea. And I can't remember. It was either the 15-16 season or the, or the 17-18 season going into a major tournament. Because I remember thinking he, he, he then did all right, I think, in the major tournament. Um, basically, having had almost like he, he had a year off with a combination of injuries, lack of form, seeming indifference and stuff. I think it's probably just his, his bearing probably doesn't look good when, when things aren't going for him. But um, that, to me, always made him a slightly iffy signing. Lord. Yeah, yeah, because of the amount that they were paying for him, in that he doesn't have that. Wait, who does? But he doesn't have that kind of messy like uh, machine output of game after game after game after game. Ten years, you know, before we saw him have a bad game. Um, so it was always a gamble, wasn't there? Paying that much money for him, especially when he was available out of contract. Um, they yeah. could have had him now for free, couldn't they? So it, yeah. was, it was always a gamble, wasn't it? And you know, and it sort of slips under the radar a little bit, doesn't it, compared to Barcelona's um, wasted money? It, it does. And, and, and you compare him to, say, Gareth Bale, for instance, who gets mm. a lot of criticism for his injuries and time at Real Madrid, his lack of, they, 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 they say, lack of success. But if you compare Gareth Bale's time at Real Madrid, I know it's over a longer period, um, but it, it, it's significantly more successful than what we've seen so far from Hazard. So, and it does, you're right, it, it doesn't really get mentioned um, how poor he's been when he's played. Obviously, the injury record does get mentioned frequently, um, but it's a real shame because I was pleased when Real Madrid signed him. I think he's a brilliant footballer. Um, but for some reason, it's a bit of a mystery. We haven't seen him. You know, we, we saw a goal the other week against someone where he didn't celebrate and... That was what we were seeing on a weekly basis at Chelsea for a number of years, by and large. And and we do for Belgium as well, where he's an important player. But at Real Madrid, it's just, just not working at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think that looks like... That doesn't look like sulking. That looks like too much modesty to me. Almost that he's thinking, given how it's been, I can't run around like I'm the king of the... Yep, the slightly of embarrassed. Yeah. Yep, yeah. slightly embarrassed. Hmm. Um, but he's uh, hopefully... You know, this injury isn't too serious, doesn't keep him out for long. Um, but, uh, and hopefully we see him back to his his genuine, you know, true form. Mm. Um, so, should we do the top of the table game then? Because mm. the table is, I was just going to say, you know, Real Madrid are actually seven points behind Real Sociedad. With the game in hand, it's all higgledy-piggledy, isn't it? In that, you know, all the teams, basically anywhere near the top, have played... 9, 10 or 11 games, so it's quite hard to analyse, yep. which probably <laughs> probably saves us from over-analysing it because I think we probably usually over-analyse a table at this stage of the, of the season anyway, don't we? So um, the fact that they've all played different numbers of games probably means that we sensibly say, ah, let's give it a bit of time before yeah. we spend too much time looking at the table. That said, um, Real Sociedad, Villarreal, top of the table. Um, decent game couple of penalties so not, not not a classic but they 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 showed us what these two teams are about we, that, that's that's what we, we saw in this game I thought yeah I, I'm slightly disappointed I have to be honest because we we, we recognize these two teams as two of the better footballing teams in in La Liga and that's tr- traditionally as well with these two but I, I thought it was a, 
a bit of a dogfight, to be honest, which I wasn't expecting. And it, it you know, it was quite aggressive. Um, two penalties, you know, but the, the only goal scored. So I was slightly disappointed that, you know, there was, there was some players missing. David Silva for Real Sociedad, for instance. Um, you can see the reason behind Aguasil making changes. So it was a slightly unfamiliar team as well from Real Sociedad. But on one hand, you have Real Sociedad who are going full throttle in the Europa League because they haven't got the luxury of, you know, coasting in their group. Whereas Real were able to make loads of changes in their Thursday night match bring back players for the weekend. And that was a slight advantage to VRL. So I understand why, you know, you can't play your best team in every game. So Aguasil has got that balancing act of, we need the points in the Europa League at the same time with top of La Liga. It's too early in the league to prioritise one and not the other. I mean, they worked so hard to get in the Europa League. They want to do well in that. So there was some some unfamiliar changes in the Real Sociedad lineup. So, And I, I guess I was, I was, it was more aggressive than I thought the game was going to be. And, and it was a classic top-of-the-table clash um, <laughs> between two teams that genuinely believe they're ch- they've got chances of at least finishing in the top four. Um, but at the same time, there was a little bit of a fear of, of losing the game. And we, I didn't think we saw that full expression of creative, expansive, skillful play that we normally see from, from these two teams. So it was a genuine, as I say, top-of-the-table clash. No one wanted to, to give an inch. And, and you know, honours were even. I think the draw was, uh, again... A fair result in this match. Okay, cool. Let's let's crack on. Let's do Barcelona, shall we? Because um, poor old Barca fans have had to endure quite a lot of um, bad days this season. Uh, that said, you know they're they're up to seventh. They've got two games in hands on most of the teams above them. Uh, it was the most emphatic before. Well, actually, not necessarily because they they beat Villarreal pretty comfortably as well. With yeah. The, We've seen false dawns, I suppose, haven't we, from Barcelona? So we'll, we'll find out whether this is another false dawn or not. But uh, after that scruffy old first goal, Griezmann scored an absolute cracker uh, for the second. Good to see him smiling and, and dancing away again. And then uh, Coutinho, and then Messi scored a brilliant goal as well. So lots of encouraging signs for Barcelona. Uh, on, the, on, the, on the downside, Osasuna were a little bit lightweight, I thought. Yeah, I think they missed David Garcia at the back. I think, in my opinion, he's one of the most underrated centre-backs in La Liga. He was missing. So that was a loss to Osasuna. But Osasuna, it's a, I've been on the end of those thumpings against teams that have got better players and a better team. Hmm. And and it's it's tough. You have to... It, it's horrible. You're, you're Particularly the position I played as an attacker, you're looking at your teammates getting, you know, chasing shadows at the back. Hmm. You're never getting a touch of the ball. And when it does, it's a scrappy, hopeful clearance forward and you try to chase a lost cause and make something out of nothing. And and that, unfortunately for us, as soon as the case at the weekends, they were up against better players, a better team, and that better players and better team, as opposed to Real Madrid, played well in this game. You know, lots of good individual performances. I worry again for Barcelona with the injury to Clement Longley. Mm. But I thought that the setup. suited Barcelona at the weekend. I prefer at the moment Messi playing wider on the right. I think it, it's, it clogs it up in, mid, in the centre of attack when he plays in a more central role. Yeah. Because teams, obviously, um, are going to put extra men around Messi. Yeah. So it leaves him a little bit confused when he just stands out wide on the right and ignores the, the play. And, you know, you can't suddenly have two or three players go across to the opposite side of the pitch to keep an eye on Messi when he's 60 yards away from the action. 
and then he can get involved. Then he drifts inside, then he cuts across the field. And, and I think at the moment that suits him better. Braithwaite was good up front. He was the focal point. Griezmann played just off of him and Coutinho on the left. So it, it, that's, that's shape. And that personnel um, worked really well for Barcelona. Pedri was excellent in the time that he was on the pitch alongside De Jong. <clears throat> and Oscar Menguesa at the back did what he had to do. He didn't overcomplicate it. He cleared it a few times where suddenly you're thinking, oh, that looked unusual. He's just, he's, you know, he's put his foot through the ball and in an awkward position instead of trying to play a little pass out. He was happy to put his foot through it and knock it down the channel. And that's wise, you know, sensible from a young player that that's, you know, doesn't want to make a mistake. And and he did it. He was error free. Um, but it was a, it was a good performance from Barcelona. A couple of great goals. Yeah. Uh, actually, it was three three good goals. Two were great. And Griezmann's and Messi's was a top draw. Coutinho's was a, a good team goal as well. Um, but it was it was a tough day for us sooner. And, and Barcelona, I talked about a recurring theme of consistency. They've lacked consistency this season. But in this game, they they were. Very good. Yeah. So is Brathwaite part of their best team? Well, I think he, he, he could be, you know, because he, he is the player that, that, that plays that role the best. Um, it's a natural position for him. Um, I think, if I'm being honest, they could do it better. Yeah. Um, but he's a, a, a genuine centre forward. Back to goal, holds the ball up well, makes good runs in behind, stretches the play, allows the space for Griezmann, allows, has the potential to get on the end of crosses from out wide as well, which he probably is the only one at Barcelona that, that can do that. I mean, Griezmann can, but he's often not in the box, attacking it as a centre forward. So, you know, it's, I think he, he, he is a, a, a very good option at the moment for Koeman. Yeah. Uh, and Sevilla, uh, well, what, what do we say about Sevilla that we don't say about Sevilla most weeks? Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they beat <laughs> Huesca, late goal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they dominated this game, though. I mean, Huesca, our team normally had a decent amount of possession, but they, they didn't in this game. They were totally outplayed and they hung them in there for dear life. Um, numbers back behind the ball and it, it took a, a sub late substitution and that substitute to, to, to get the winning goal. Good work from a campus, a tapping um, to, to finish the chance off. But it was, it was, a, it was a well-deserved win for Sevilla. Let's not forget as well, they're playing Champions League, you know, having to make changes and whatever and, and making sure that they, you know, they, they keep the team relatively fresh. But uh, in general, I think it was a, a, a good, solid performance. I think the performance from them is similar to the one that we talk about from Atletico as well. Yes, well, let, let's let's do that, shall we? Then, so Atleti, obviously, the lead table is looking very, very healthy indeed for Atleti, isn't it? Uh, they played nine, twenty-three points, so they're, they're one point behind the leaders, Real Sociedad, but they do have two games in hand. Uh, ludicrously, they've conceded two goals in nine games uh, so far this season, and uh, they they won it with that Tony Lato own goal late on. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it was. They dominated this match. It's it's tough on Valencia who are suffering, um, and we wouldn't normally see an Atletico team go and dominate possession territorially as well. Um, but in this game, Valencia had no answer, and it was just a question of them showing their spirit, determination, their will to, to stay in the game that delayed the inevitable. They played well, Atletico. Thomas Lamar came in and played really well. Where Lodi's is a bit of a contradiction at the moment. He seems to have lost the faith of Simeone. They played three at the back. They look solid in midfield. They look creative in, uh, in attack. Let's not forget that, you know, they Champions League games. Missing Suarez, missing Diego Costa. 
So it was a, a, a good win for Atletico Madrid. They're consistent. I think it's I wrote down there. I mean, I look at the league table at the moment, I must be honest, and I look at the teams, the three teams that I think genuinely contenders still. Atletico, Barca, Real Madrid. And at the moment, there's six clear of Real Madrid with a game in hand, and then nine clear of Barca with the same games played. So that's a significant advantage. You talked about the goals conceded. I think it's now, I'm checking my stats, Atletico Madrid are 25 unbeaten. They haven't been beaten since February, since they lost to Real Madrid. So consistency is the order of the day from Atletico, unlike Barcelona and Real Madrid. If you still ask me, I still think Barcelona and Real Madrid on their day play better football and are more pleasing on the eye than Atletico. But that that 25-game unbeaten run is, is fantastic. Yeah. So where's your money going? <laughs> I would say Atletico yeah. at the moment. Yep, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. Poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Not applicable to PayPal here transactions. Other fees may apply. Shop safe with PayPal. You've counted down the seconds. Now make every second count for you. University of Maryland Global Campus will help you wave goodbye to 2020 and say hello to a new year where you take the next step in your education. Whether you want to study business, cybersecurity, healthcare, or IT, University of Maryland Global Campus can help. Apply by January 31st and we'll waive your application fee. Learn online. Visit umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by Chev. Welcome back to everyone listening to the podcast. My apologies. Uh, yeah, Celta Vigo, um, 3-1 against Granada. Um, it's turned around, Terry, isn't it? Oh. This, yeah. This, I mean, uh, even though they had a, a man sent off in this one, uh, you know, good, good convincing win. Yeah, quite, we have to talk about that sending off. Um, we'll come to that later because it was a, a footnote at the end of the game. Uh, no, they were, do you know what? I, I've been... I've been desperate to have someone to go in and just calm the whole thing down at Celta Vigo and play a system that suits the players. They have good players. People moan about the, the defensive capabilities. I think they've got a decent defence as well. I think they've got good players in defence. You know, there's a bit of um and I who, who should play in goal. They're three goalkeepers and, and they're not sure who's the best one, but a new manager has come in and that, that will take time for him to choose his number one. But you look at the, the midfield players, the front three, Denis Suarez, um, Bryce Mendes and Tapia in midfield. That's a good midfield three. You've got the three up front, Nolito, Aspas and Santimina. That's a good front three. And it just needed a manager to come and say, right, we're going to start playing uncomplicated football mm-hmm. in a style that's familiar to the team and to the individuals. And I, I actually think this was one of the best performances of, of the weekend from a team. You know, they went 1-0 down for a fantastic goal from Luis Suarez, um, but it was against the run of play. They didn't panic. They got a quick reply, which helped them in their predicament because if you, you know, get to half-time, you're still losing 1-0, you might just lose that 
little faith that you had that you were playing well and you know you start to believe things are going against you so a quick reply from Nolito and they dominated in, in the second half and, and won that comfortably I mean it, it was a, a really good performance and one that if they can maintain under Kudet that they can start to progress up the league because there's no excuses they've, they've got the quality they've got the players and, you know, you look at teams around the bottom of the division, I think they're, they're, they're more than capable of moving away from the, the relegation problem. They should do. Yeah. And then the red card. So it was right at the end, wasn't it, um, <laughs> yeah. Okai? Um, that's just a bit weird, isn't it? Weird that on the same weekend we had two hair-pulling incidents, uh, one of which was picked up by the bar and one wasn't. Yeah, the, one, the reason I found it funny was uh, Luis Mia is the player involved, isn't he, for Granada, who's... Looks, you know, in agony on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> He's, you know, it's a, a, a challenge from Yokoslu, um, Okai, and, and Mia is rolling around in agony. There's a bit of a melee going on, and Yokoslu stupidly, we're not sure if he pulls his hair or his ear, he goes over and ruffles his head, but gives it a yank, and Mia jumps up immediately, yeah. recovered. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, that alone, I think the referee should have left it. I mean, because of that, he was obviously feigning injury. Um, because yeah. you don't suddenly miraculously recover, um, just because someone's tugged your hair while you're on the floor. I always wonder if you, turf. if you bump into a, a footballer in, in a pub, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, because obviously, if you're holding a drink, if I, I, I hold a drink, if you knocked into me now, I could hold this drink, yeah. uh, unless you unless you really hit me hard, in which case, I'd fall over. But if I was a footballer, obviously, and you brushed into me, I'd, I'd be. <laughs> I'd be straight down on the ground. So I think the referee it was the last minute. I think it was the last action of the game, wasn't it? Almost. Yeah. And it got a bit of tight, bit feisty at the end. There was an incident with Antonio Poetas and one of the Celta Vigo coaching staff wasn't there, or someone sitting on the bench near the action when the ball went out of play, just helped to move it on to waste time. And it got a bit untidy at the end. And I think because of that, the referee could have just left it as it was. I mean, it wasn't a violent act from Okai. Um, it was silly, it was daft, probably is against the laws of the game. Um, but it, I just found it amusing that Mia was rolling around in agony and his head face was in the turf and then a little tug on his ear or his hair, which is classic, old school, cynical, provocative, you know, behaviour. It doesn't happen as much now as it used to. Um, and, you know, it, you're, you're right, it does throw up the instant of Marcelo yeah. and you okay in, in terms of two people pulling each other's hair. I had my hair pulled once, believe it or not, years <laughs> when I was playing, I had hair and went up for a header and was accused of throwing my arm into an opponent, which wasn't the case. And that player pulled my hair and swung me round. Um, oh, God, who was it? Jimmy Nickel, West Brom. So oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I oh, did he? Right. And got sent off. Right. And what happened to him? <laughs> did he get sent off? No, of course not. No, no. <laughs> but that was definitely, it was more obvious as well. He was swinging me around by my hair. <laughs> there we are, kids, when men were men. <laughs> when we had perms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. It's, oh, really rough blokes with perms. <laughs> yeah. Punching each other. And moustaches. <laughs> Anyway, uh, let's get back to uh, all the remaining 1-1 draws in the Liga, shall we? Uh, which, where should we go first then? Uh, well, let's start 
near the top, shall we? Then obviously uh, Elche won, Cadiz won. So the, the top of the league table it makes some sense. Uh, I know Real Sociedad aren't where they're supposed to be, but they so Real Sociedad, Atletico, Villarreal, Real Madrid, Sevilla, drop one, Barcelona. If that was the top seven, and you said there was one errant team in there at the start yeah. of the season, you wouldn't have picked Cadiz. Um, still don't quite know how they're still there, man, because they never seem to win, and yet they're still um, refusing no. to, to, drop, to drop away. Yeah, they've scored nine goals in their yeah. 11 games played so far. They've only conceded 12. So I think that's you know they're, 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 that's pretty good going for a newly promoted team. I made the point probably about five or six weeks ago that I still see them as a not relegation candidate, but a team that will find themselves closer to relegation than the top half of the division. Yeah, well, uh, they're, still, they're they're five points above by the aren't they? So yeah, you know, I still think that's the case. They were fortunate in this game that that uh, Lucas Boye got himself sent off. Absolute joke of a decision that one. The, the the second yellow, I mean he's he's accused of elbowing Valley, I think the central yeah. defender, and he's backing in. It's his actually shoulder that, that is leaning in towards the face of Valley, but it, as a as a long ball is being transferred to him, he's backing in. He's trying to hold him off. There's no way he's throwing an arm. It shouldn't have been a, a yellow card. Possibly a foul. Valley made the most of him. Went down as if he'd been struck in the face, which is all well and good if we haven't got VAR. So yeah. you could accuse the referee then of being, you know, conned by a player if you just seen it with a naked eye and the one opportunity. But if you look at it again on VAR, you can look at that and say, no, he's, he's possibly a foul, not a yellow card. Yeah. Um, he's backing in. He hasn't thrown his arm in. But because Fally's gone down holes in his face to the referee, yeah. it might have looked at him as an elbow and whatever. But no, you that's raised, costly. You've raised a, a big issue there because I think that's the case with VAR. And I think that... All the games I watch at the moment, there is no, there's no downside for a player to feign an injury no. under VAR because the whole emphasis of looking at it on the VAR is: was there a contact? Can you see? And then you're back, back, back. Oh, look at that! Oh, yes, he brushed his nose, and that's nonsense, isn't it? Because yeah. they should be looking as, you know, as per the previous conversation. Um, you know, did what, did you knock me over? You know, could I? You know, is what you 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 hit me? Did I have to hit the ground, or did I just feel a bit and then? tumble yeah. over but the VAR isn't looking at that is it the VAR no, is just it, looking for or oh, was there contact oh well, okay we'll give the decision but the, in this case I mean the, the big centre forward which is Lucas Boy he's not a giant by any means but he's a target man and the ball's coming into him we're now going to get to the stage when the long ball is being transferred to a striker that the centre forwards are going to have to put their arms behind their back yeah, yeah <laughs> like yeah. defenders when they're closing down shots and crosses so we're going to have a, a game now where you know if you're a centre forward who Likes to back in. Luis Suarez does it. Roberto Soldado does it. You know, it's it's an art. You back in. You you pin the central defender. You can't do that with your arms behind your back. And his arms were those that are watching. His arms. It, it clearly wasn't an elbow into the face. Yeah. yeah. Um, and therefore, wouldn't they VAR? But does VAR look at that because it was a second yellow? Uh, depends if they're looking. Yeah, I don't. If, if a possible red, they can look at it, can't they? If it's just yeah. a foul, then no. But I suppose if you're looking for the elbow, then then they are looking at it then, aren't they? Yeah. So that it played a huge part in the game. From then on, Cadiz were able to, to get back into it more because at that stage, Elche were better. And they eventually got the equaliser, Cadiz. We're pushing big time for the win at the end as well. 
Um, but I, I, that was a, a, a tough call by the referee on, on LJ. I've actually been quite impressed with uh, the three newly promoted teams, although there's a higher in the league than LJ. I think LJ are one that, uh, you know, look to be, you know, a, a, a decent outfit. So yeah. it's a tough, tough result for LJ. Because 11 against 11 in the second half, I think they win the game. Yeah. Well, the 10th. Great, great goal from Lucas Boy as well. Yeah. Really, really yeah. good finish. And they've only got, well, they've only played nine, haven't they? Uh, yeah. With 13 points. So obviously in the relegation battle, the games in hand aren't as important as they are at the top because you generally don't get as many points in a relegation battle. But still, yeah, it's not a bad position. But like I say, um, there is so much shaking down to do of this league table yet. Isn't yes. there? There's, a, you know, yeah. there's, a, there's a long, long time to go. I don't know when we're going to fit these games in. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, I guess between the Champions League in the Europa League breaks, there'll be time, won't they, for some to play. To, to catch up the games then, but then the, the Copa del Rey starts. Yeah, yeah. And we haven't done next, last year's final yet. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, uh, two more games to do. Hatafe won, Athletic won. Mid-table oh, game. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and I expect both to be higher in the league than what they are, yeah. um, but not significant, significantly higher. I was disappointed with Athletic, but I understand it. We saw the performance against Betis where, the, where I... I've been moaning, banging on for ages about fullbacks don't get forward, lack of connection between midfield and the attack. But they went, and, and again, that Betis game, the fullbacks were pushing forward, Kappa and Pachichi. Um, good link up play from midfield to the front. They looked, you know, as full of goals. In this game, they reverted back to tight. Um, but I understand it. Hatafe away is the type of game where you have to be a little bit more pragmatic, be competitive. They scored a goal from Via Libre, which I'm pleased to see because I think he offers them a lot in attack. Um, but that was from a set piece. Open play, chances were few and far between. And Gil gets a, a fine equaliser um, for Hatafe. It was aggressive, competitive, everything you'd expect. There was, if you hadn't seen this game, it was, I promise you there was no surprises. And I think the draw was was ultimately the, the, the fair result again. Uh, and two teams that draw too many, really. Valladolid won, Levante won. So they're both, well, both definitely in a relegation battle, aren't they? Because uh, Valladolid is 17th yeah. and Levante 19th. Uh, yeah, another one-all draw. So what's that? Levante have drawn five out of 10. Valladolid have drawn four out of 11. Yeah, and I, I think both these teams... I'm slightly concerned about Levante, to be honest, because Valladolid is where I expect them to be. They've been a relegation battle all the way through, and I expect them to stay up and I expect them to succeed. Marcus Andre has been a great addition recently, three in his last three. He's replaced Enis Unal. Um, Sergio Guardiola does appreciate having a big, strong centre forward around him. Um, so the front of the team look, looks good, which is important for Valladolid because they build their survival plans on a solid back four. Silly penalty given by Joaquin Fernandez late in, you know, late in the game to cost them the, the victory because every point is precious for Valladolid. So I, they're where I expect them to be. Um, but for Levante, I, I didn't expect this start to the season. Um, this has been erratic. And, and yeah. you know, it's, mm. it's the, they're chopping and changing the system, chopping and changing the personnel. Um, Paco Lopez needs just to calm down. Um, and, and you expect them with their quality to, to you know, push away from where they are now. But I, I didn't expect to see them um, just the one win so far this season. So um, it's a disappointment for Levente. There, there are many things I admire about your analysis of football, Terry, and one of them is in this, this world where it's fashionable to 
uh, to chop and change and change everything. Your advice quite often is just calm down. To coach yeah, ex exactly. I think but once you have been in a position in myself and, and as a coach, you do, you get trapped in this like, run of the, well, you're on the, the treadmill. Yeah. So you, you've got two or three days between games. So you're thinking, constantly thinking, you know, irrationally, if I'm being perfectly honest, um, you're at danger sometimes of, you know, chucking everything out, starting again on a, on a weekly basis. And I don't think that suits anybody. Um, you have to have a system you believe in. You have to have a system that suits the players that you've got. Too many managers pick a system and then try and make the players fit into that system. So I think as a manager, you go and you go, well, this is, you know, he likes to play there. He's good at playing there. It suits him to play in that position. We get the best from him in this position. So this will be the system. You know, four, four, two, four, three, three, three at the back, whatever. But you have to fit it around. Then once you get that, then you hope that players get an understanding um, of playing in that style, playing in that system. Um, but it, what we see from a lot of managers is if they win or if they lose or they draw, it's right. I must have done something wrong. Yeah. You know, I we we must be doing something wrong. Um, let's change another system. That doesn't work. Then you change it again and you go back to chopping and changing the players. And and sometimes you just need to... Is it, is it the LJ coach? Is it Almiron? Yeah. I love his attitude. <laughs> it's, it, honestly, every measure he seems to be playing against this year, at the weekend, Severo had the ump about something after <laughs> the game and, and, and Almiron just had put his arm around him, a big bear hug, as if to say, calm down, big smile on his face. He looks like he really enjoys his football. He looks like he's got a plan. And, and you're not going to change it. And he knows what he's doing. And he looks pretty composed about it. Also, as a player, there's nothing worse than the erratic manager. So I've been the coach that's probably been erratic along with a manager yeah. that's made those mistakes. And as a player, you look at your coaching thing and you go out. And, and as a group of players, you're going, well, what, what are we going to be playing this week? What's he come up with? Plan F. Yeah. Are we on? Yeah. You know, oh, you're going to be custard pied. You're going to be trapdoored. You're going to be dropped this week because... You know, we didn't win, although we played well and we we're unlucky. There might be different circumstances. And and that gets transmits itself to the players. Basically, they start to then think, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so you you just need to to, to, to calm it down. Um, sometimes, if you believe in what you're doing is right. Yes. Right. Wise words, Terry. Thank you very much. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, so obviously uh, Real Betis haven't played. Uh, because that's how it goes. Uh, we will be back for the Patreons. We'll be having another look at the European football because it's, it's, it's relentless, the football these days. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back with another regular La Liga podcast next week. So we'll see you for that. Thank you very much, everybody. Bye-bye.
University of Maryland Global Campus has been serving the military in Maryland and around the world for more than 70 years and online for over 20 years. UMGC offers more than 90 programs and specializations in career-relevant fields, transfer credits, no-cost digital materials replacing most textbooks, and scholarships for those who qualify. Speak with our dedicated military and veteran advisors who can help you find the right degree for your career path. Visit umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV.